Chapter Twelve of Further Foolishness by Stephen Leacock. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve: Abdul Aziz has his an adventure in the Yildiz kiosk. Come, come, Abdul, I said, putting my hand not unkindly on his shoulder. Tell me all about it. But he only broke out into renewed sobbing. There, there, I continued soothingly. Don't cry, Abdul. Look, here's a lovely nargali for you to smoke with a gold mouthpiece. See, wouldn't you like a little Latakia, eh? And here's a little toy Armenian. Look, see his head come off, snick. There, it's on again, snick. Now it's off. Look, Abdul. But still he sobbed. His fez had fallen over his ears, and his face was all smudged with tears. It seemed impossible to stop him. I looked about in vain from the little alcove of the hall of the Yildiz kiosk, where we were sitting on a Persian bench under a lemon tree. There was no one in sight. I hardly knew what to do. In the Yildiz kiosk, I think that was the name of the place, I scarcely as yet knew my way about. In fact, I had only been in it a few hours. I had come there, as I should have explained in commencing, in order to try to pick up information as to the exact condition of things in Turkey. For this purpose I had assumed the character and disguise of an English governess. I had long since remarked that an English governess is able to go anywhere, see everything, penetrate the interior of any royal palace, and move to and fro as she pleases without hindrance and without insult. No barrier can stop her. Every royal court, however splendid or however exclusive, is glad to get her. She dines with the king or the emperor as a matter of course. All state secrets are freely confided to her, and all military plans are submitted to her judgment. Then, after a few weeks' residence, she leaves the court and writes a book of disclosures. This was now my plan. And, up to the moment of which I speak, it had worked perfectly. I had found my way through Turkey to the royal capital without difficulty. The poke bonnet, the spectacles, and the long black dress which I had assumed had proved an ample protection. None of the rude Turkish soldiers among whom I had passed had offered to lay a hand on me. This tribute I am compelled to pay to the splendid morality of the Turks. They wouldn't touch me. Access to the Yildiz kiosk and to the Sultan had proved equally easy. I had merely to obtain an interview with Codfish Pasha, the Secretary of War, whom I found a charming man of great intelligence, a master of three or four languages, as he himself informed me, and able to count up to seventeen. You wish, he said, to be appointed as English, or rather Canadian governess, to the Sultan? Yes, I answered. And your object? I propose to write a book of disclosures. Excellent, said Codfish. An hour later I had found myself, as I have said, in a flagstoned hall of the Yildiz kiosk, with the task of amusing and entertaining the Sultan. Of the difficulty of this task I had formed no conception. Here I was at the outset, with the unhappy Abdul bent and broken with sobs, 
which I found no power to check or control. Naturally, therefore, I found myself at a loss. The little man as he sat on his cushions, in his queer costume and his long slippers, with his fez fallen over his lemon-colored face, presented such a pathetic object that I could not find the heart to be stern with him. "'Come now, Abdul,' I said. "'Be good.' He paused a moment in his crying. "'Why do you call me Abdul?' he asked. "'That isn't my name.' "'Isn't it?' I said. I thought all you sultans were called Abdul. Isn't the sultan's name always Abdul? Mine isn't, he whimpered, but it doesn't matter. And his face began to crinkle up with renewed weeping. Call me anything you like. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I'd rather be called Abdul than be called a warlord and general when they don't let me have any say at all and with that the little sultan burst into unrestrained crying. "'Abdul,' I said firmly, "'if you don't stop crying, I'll go and fetch one of the bashi bazooks to take you away.' The little sultan found his voice again. "'There aren't any b b bashi bazooks left,' he sobbed. "'None left?' I exclaimed. "'Where have they gone?' "'They've t t taken them all away. Who have? The G -G -G Germans, sobbed Abdul, and they've sent them all to P -P Poland. Come, come, Abdul, I said, straightening him up a little as he sat. Brace up, be a Turk, be a Mohammedan. Don't act like a Christian. This seemed to touch his pride. He made a great effort to be calm. I could hear him muttering to himself, Allah ilala Muhammad Rasul Allah. He said this over a good many times, while I took advantage of the pause to get his fez a little straighter and wipe his face. How many times have I said it? He asked presently. Twenty. Twenty? That ought to be enough, shouldn't it? Said the sultan, regaining himself a little. Isn't prayer helpful, eh? Give me a smoke? I filled his nargily for him, and he began to suck blue smoke out of it with a certain contentment, while the rose-water bubbled in the bowl below. Now, Abdul, I said, as I straightened up his cushions and made him a little more comfortable, what is it? What is the matter? Why, he answered, they've all g g gone now don't cry tell me properly they've all gone b b back on me boo hoo who have who've gone back on you why everybody the english and the french and everybody what do you mean i asked with increasing interest tell me exactly what you mean whatever you say i will hold sacred of course I saw my part already to a volume of interesting disclosures. They used to treat me so differently, Abdul went on, and his sobbing ceased as he continued. They used to call me the bully boy of the Bosphorus. They said I was the guardian of the Golden Gate. They used to let me kill all the Armenians I liked, and nobody was allowed to collect debts from me, 
and every now and then they used to send me the nicest ultimatums. Oh, you don't know, he broke off, how nice it used to be here in the Yildiz in the old days. We used all to sit round here in this very hall, me and the diplomats, and play games such as ultimatum, ultimatum, who's got the ultimatum? Oh, say, it was so nice and peaceful. And we used to have big dinners and conferences, especially after the military maneuvers and the autumn massacres, me and the diplomats, all with stars and orders, and me in my white fez with a copper tassel, and hold discussions about how to reform Macedonia. But you spoilt it all, Abdul, I protested. I didn't, I didn't, he exclaimed almost angrily. I'd have gone on forever. It was all so nice. They used to present me, the diplomats did, with what they called their minimum, and then we, I mean Codfish Pasha and me, had to draft in return our maximum, see? And then we all had to get together again and frame a status quo. But that couldn't go on forever, I urged. Why not? said Abdul. It was a great system. We invented it, but everybody was beginning to copy it. In fact, we were leading the world before all this trouble came. Didn't you have anything of our system in your country? What do you call it? In Canada? Yes, I admitted. Now that I come to think of it, we were getting into it. But the war has changed it all. Exactly, said Abdul. There you are, all changed the good old days gone forever. But surely, I said, you still have friends, the Bulgarians. The sultan's little black eyes flashed with anger as he withdrew his pipe for a moment from his mouth. The low scoundrels, he said between his teeth, the traitors. Why, they're your allies. Yes, Allah destroy them, they are. They've come over to our side. After centuries of fighting, they refuse to play fair any longer. They're on our side. Who ever heard of such a thing? Bah! But of course, he added more quietly, we shall massacre them just the same. We shall insist, in the terms of peace, on retaining our rights of massacre. But then, no doubt, all the nations will. But you have the Germans... I began. Hush, hush, said Abdul, laying his hand on my arm. Someone might hear. You have the Germans, I repeated. The Germans, said Abdul, and his voice sounded in a queer sing-song, like that of a child repeating a lesson, are my noble friends, the Germans are my powerful allies, the Kaiser is my good brother, the Reichstag is my foster sister. I love the Germans. I hate the English. I love the Kaiser. The Kaiser loves me. Stop, stop, Abdul, I said. Who taught you all that? Abdul looked cautiously around. They did, he said in a whisper. There's a lot more of it. Would you like me to recite some more? Or no, no, what's the good? I've no heart for reciting any longer. And at this, Abdul fell to weeping again. But Abdul, I said, I don't understand. 
why are you so distressed just now? All this has been going on for over two years. Why are you so worried just now? Oh, exclaimed the little sultan in surprise, you haven't heard. I see you've only just arrived. Why, today is the last day. After today it is all over. Last day for what? I asked. For intervention. For the intervention of the United States. The only thing that can save us. It has to have come today, by the end of this full moon, our astrologers had predicted it. Smith Pasha, minister under heaven of the United States, has promised, if it came, to send it to us at the earliest moment. How do they send it, do you know, in a box or in paper? Stop, I said, as my ear caught the sound of footsteps. There's someone coming now. The sound of slippered feet was distinctly heard on the stones in the outer corridor. Abdul listened intently a moment. I know his slippers, he said. Who is it? It is my chief secretary, too much coffee. Yes, here he comes. As the sultan spoke, the doors swung open, and there entered an aged Turk, in a flowing gown and colored turban, with a melancholy yellow face, and a long white beard that swept to his girdle. Who do you say he is? I whispered to Abdul. My chief secretary, he whispered back, too much coffee. He looks like it, I murmured. Meantime, too much coffee had advanced across the broad flagstones of the hall where we were sitting. With hands lifted, he salaamed four times, east, west, north, and south. What does that mean? I whispered. It means, said the sultan, with visible agitation, that he has a communication of the greatest importance and urgency, which will not brook a moment's delay. Well, then, why doesn't he get a move on? I whispered. Hush, said Abdul. Too much coffee now straightened himself from his last salaam and spoke. Allah is great, he said. And Mohammed is his prophet, rejoined the sultan. Allah protect you, and make your face shine, said Too much. Allah lengthen your beard, said the sultan and he added aside to me in English, which too much coffee evidently did not understand, I'm all eagerness to know what it is. It's something big for sure. The little man was quite quivering with excitement as he spoke. Do you know what I think it is? I think it must be the American intervention. The United States is going to intervene. Eh, what, don't you think so? Then hurry him up, I urged. I can't said Abdul. It is impossible in Turkey to do business like that. He must have some coffee first, and then he must pray, and then there must be an interchange of presents. I groaned, for I was getting as impatient as Abdul himself. Do you not do public business like that in Canada? the sultan continued. We used to, but we have got over it, I said. Meanwhile, a slippered attendant had entered and placed a cushion for the secretary, and in front of it a little Persian stool, on which he put a quaint cup filled with coffee black as ink. A similar cup was placed before the sultan. Drink, 
said abdul not first until the lips of the commander of the faithful he means after you i said hurry up abdul abdul took a sip allah is good he said and all things are of allah rejoined too much abdul unpinned a glittering jewel from his robe and threw it to the feet of too much take this poor bauble he said too much coffee in return took from his wrist a solid bangle of beaten gold accept this mean gift from your humble servant he said right said abdul speaking in a changed voice as the ceremonies ended now then too much what is it hurry up be quick what is the matter too much rose to his feet lifted his hands high in the air with his palms facing the sultan one is without he said without what i asked eagerly of the sultan without outside don't you understand turkish what you call in english a gentleman to see me and did he make all that fuss and delay over that i asked in disgust why with us in canada at one of the public departments of ottawa all that one would have to do would be simply to send in a card get it certified then simply wait in an ante-room simply read a newspaper send in another card wait a little then simply send in a third card and then simply cha said abdul the cards might be poisoned our system is best speak on too much who is without is it perchance a messenger from smith pasha minister under heaven of the united states alas no said too much it is he it is the large one as he spoke he rolled his eyes upward with a gesture of despair he cried abdul and a look of terror convulsed his face the large one shut him out call the chief eunuch and the major-domo of the harem let him not in alas said too much he threw them out of the window lo he is here he enters as the secretary spoke a double door at the end of the hall swung noisily open at the blow of an imperious fist and with a rattle of arms and accoutrements a man of gigantic stature wearing full military uniform and a spiked helmet strode into the room as he entered an attendant who accompanied him also in a uniform and a spiked helmet called in a loud strident voice that resounded to the arches of the hall his high excellence feld marechal von der doppelbach special representant of his majestat william the second deutscher kaiser and king of england abdul collapsed into a little heap his fez fell over his face too much coffee had slunk into a corner von der doppelbach strode noisily forward and came to a stand in front of abdul with a click and rattle after the prussian fashion majestat he said in a deep thunderous voice i greet you i bow low before you salam i kiss the floor at your feet but in reality he did nothing of the sort he stood to the full height of his six feet six and glowered about him salam said abdul in a feeble voice 
"'But who is this?' added the field-marshal, looking angrily at me. My costume, or rather my disguise, for as I have said I was wearing a poke bonnet with a plain black dress, seemed to puzzle him. "'My new governess,' said Abdul. "'She came this morning. She is a professor—' "'Bah!' said the field-marshal. "'A woman, a professor. Bah!' "'No, no,' said Abdul in protest, and it seemed decent of the little creature to stick up for me. "'She's all right. She is interesting, and knows a great deal. She is from Canada.' "'What?' exclaimed von der Doppelbach. "'From Canada. But stop. It seems to me that Canada is a country that we are at war with. Let me think. Canada? I must look at my list.' He pulled out a little set of tablets as he spoke. Let me see. Britain, Great Britain, British North America, British Guiana, British Nigeria. Ha, of course, under K. Kandahar, Corfu. No, I don't seem to see it. Fritz, he called to the aide-de-camp who had announced him, telegraph at once to the topographical staff at Berlin and find out if we are at war with Canada. If we are, he pointed at me, throw her into the Bosporus. If we are not, treat her with every consideration, with every distinguished consideration. But see that she doesn't get away. Keep her tight till we are at war with Canada, as no doubt we shall be, wherever it is, and then throw her into the Bosporus. The aide clicked his heels and withdrew. And now, your majesty, continued the field marshal, turning abruptly to the sultan, I bring you good news. More good news, groaned Abdul miserably, winding his clasped fingers to and fro. Alas, good news again. First, said von der Doppelbach, the Kaiser has raised you to the order of the black dock. Here is your feather. Another feather moaned Abdul. Here too much, take it and put it among the feathers. Secondly, went on the field marshal, checking off his items as he spoke, your contribution, your personal contribution to His Majesty's 23rd Imperial Loan is accepted. I didn't make any, sobbed Abdul. No difference, said von der Doppelbach. It is accepted anyway. The telegram has just arrived, accepting all your money. My assistants are packing it up outside. Abdul collapsed still further into his cushions. Third, and this will rejoice your majesty's heart, your troops are again victorious. Victorious, moaned Abdul. Victorious again. I knew they would be. I suppose they are all dead as usual? They are, said the marshal. Their souls, he added reverently with a military salute, are in heaven. No, no, gasped Abdul. Not in heaven. Don't say that. Not in heaven. Say that they are in Nishvana, our Turkish paradise. I am sorry, said the field marshal gravely. This is a Christian war. The Kaiser has insisted on their going to heaven. 
the sultan bowed his head ishmala he murmured it is the will of allah but they did not die without glory went on the field marshal their victory was complete set it out to yourself and here his eyes glittered with soldierly passion there stood your troops ten thousand in front of them the russians a hundred thousand what did your men do did they pause no they charged they charged cried the sultan in misery don't say that have they charged again just allah he added turning to too much they have charged again and we must pay we shall have to pay we always do when they charge alas alas they have charged again everything is charged but how nobly rejoined the prussian imagine it to yourself here beside this stool let us say were your men there across the cushion were the russians all the ground between was mined we knew it our soldiers knew it even our staff knew it even prince tattlewit's half-stuff our commander knew it but your soldiers did not what did our prince do the prince called for volunteers to charge over the ground there was a great shout from our men our german regiments he called again there was another shout he called still again there was a third shout think of it and again prince half-stuff called and again they shouted who shouted asked the sultan gloomily our men our germans did my turks shout asked abdul they did not they were too busy tightening their belts and fixing their bayonets but our generous fellows shouted for them then prince half-stuff called out the place of honor is for our turkish brothers let them charge and all our men shouted again and they charged they did and were all gloriously blown up a magnificent victory the blowing up of the mines blocked all the ground checked the russians and enabled our men by a prearranged rush to advance backwards taking up a new strategic yes yes said abdul i know i have read of it alas only too often and they are dead too much he added quietly drawing a little pouch from his girdle take this pouch of rubies and give them to the wives of the dead general of our division one to each he had i think but seventeen his walk was quiet allah give him peace stop said von der doppelbach i will take the rubies i myself will charge myself with the task and will myself see that i do it myself give me them be it so too much assented the sultan humbly give them to him and now continued the field marshal there is yet one other thing further still more he drew a roll of paper from his pocket too much he said bring me yonder little table with ink quills and sand i have here a manifesto for his majesty to sign no no cried abdul in renewed alarm not another manifesto not that i signed one only last week 
This is a new one, said the field marshal, as he lifted the table that too much had brought into place in front of the sultan, and spread out the papers on it. This is a better one. This is the best one yet. What does it say? said Abdul, peering at it miserably. I can't read it. It's not in Turkish. It is your last word of proud defiance to all your enemies, said the marshal. No, no, whined Abdul. Not defiance. They might not understand. Here you declare, went on the field marshal, with his big finger on the text, your irrevocable purpose. You swear that rather than submit, you will hurl yourself into the Bosporus. Where does it say that? screamed Abdul. Here beside my thumb. I can't do it, I can't do it, moaned the little sultan. More than that further, went on the Prussian quite undisturbed, you state hereby your fixed resolve, rather than give in, to cast yourself from the highest pinnacle of the topmost minaret of this palace. Oh, not the highest, don't make it the highest, moaned Abdul. Your purpose is fixed, nothing can alter it. Unless the allied powers withdraw from their advance on Constantinople, you swear that within one hour you will fill your mouth with mud and burn yourself alive. Just Allah, cried the sultan, does it say all that? All that, said von der Doppelbach, all that within an hour. It is a splendid defiance. The kaiser himself has seen it and admired it. These, he said, are the words of a man. Did he say that? said Abdul, evidently flattered. And is he too about to hurl himself off his minaret? For the moment, no, replied von der Doppelbach sternly. Well, well, said Abdul, and to my surprise he began picking up the pen and making ready. I suppose if I must sign it, I must. Then he marked the paper and sprinkled it with sand. For one hour? Well, well, he murmured. Von der Doppelbach Pasha, he added with dignity, you are permitted to withdraw. Commend me to your imperial master, my brother. Tell him that, when I am gone, he may have Constantinople, provided only, and a certain slyness appeared in the sultan's eye, that he can get it. Farewell. The field marshal, majestic as ever, gathered up the manifesto, clicked his heels together, and withdrew. As the door closed behind him, I had expected the little sultan to fall into a hopeless collapse. Not at all. On the contrary, a look of peculiar cheerfulness spread over his features. He refilled his nargali and began quietly smoking at it. Too much, he said quite cheerfully. I see there is no hope. Alas, said the secretary. I have now, went on the sultan, apparently but sixty minutes in front of me. I had hoped that the intervention of the United States might have saved me. It has not. Instead of it, I meet my fate. Well, well, it is kismet. I bow to it. He smoked away quite cheerfully. Presently he paused. 
too much he said kindly go and fetch me a sharp knife double-edged if possible but sharp and a stout bowstring up to this time i had remained a mere spectator of what had happened but now i feared that i was on the brink of witnessing an awful tragedy good heavens abdul i said what are you going to do do why kill myself of course the sultan answered pausing for a moment in an interval of his cheerful smoking what else should i do what else is there to do i shall first stab myself in the stomach and then throttle myself with the bowstring in half an hour i shall be in paradise too much summon hither from the inner harem fatima and falula they shall sit beside me and sing to me at the last hour for i love them well and later they too shall voyage with me to paradise see to it that they are both thrown a little later into the bosphorus for my heart yearns towards the two of them and he added thoughtfully especially perhaps towards fatima but i have never quite made up my mind the sultan sat back with a little gurgle of contentment the rose-water bubbling soothingly in the bowl of his pipe then he turned to his secretary again too much he said you will at the same time send a bowstring to codfish pasha my chief of war it is our sign you know he added in explanation to me it gives codfish leave to kill himself and too much send a bowstring also to beef hash pasha my vizier good fellow he will expect it and to macpherson effendi my financial adviser let them all have bowstrings stop stop i pleaded i do not understand why surely said the little man in evident astonishment it is plain enough what would you do in canada when your ministers as i think you call them fail and no longer enjoy your support do you not send them bowstrings never i said they go out of office but and do they not disembowel themselves on their retirement have they not that privilege never i said what an idea the ways of the infidel said the little sultan calmly resuming his pipe are beyond the compass of the true intelligence of the faithful yet i thought it was so even as here i had read in your newspapers that after your last election your ministers were buried alive buried under a landslide was it not we thought it here in turkey a noble fate for them they crawled out i said ishmala ejaculated abdul but go too much and listen thou also for in spite of all thou hast served me well shalt have a bowstring oh master master cried too much falling on his knees in gratitude and clutching the sole of abdul's slipper it is too kind nay nay said the sultan thou hast deserved it and i will go further this stranger too my governess this professor bring also for the professor a bowstring and a two-bladed knife all canada shall rejoice to hear of it the students shall leap up like young lambs at the honor that will be done bring the knife too much bring the knife abdul i said abdul this is too much i refuse 
I am not fit. The honor is too great. Not so, said Abdul. I am still sultan. I insist upon it. For, listen, I have long penetrated your disguise and your kind design. I saw it from the first. You knew all and came to die with me. It was kindly meant. But you shall die no common death. Yours shall be the honor of the double knife. Let it be extra sharp too much, and the bowstring. Abdul, I urged, it cannot be. You forget. I have an appointment to be thrown into the Bosphorus. The death of a dog! Never! cried Abdul. My will is still law. Too much, kill him on the spot. Hit him with the stool. Throw the coffee at him. But at this moment there were heard loud cries and shouting, as in tones of great gladness, in the outer hall of the palace, doors swinging to and fro, and the sound of many running feet. One heard above all the call, It has come! It has come! The sultan looked up quickly. Too much, he said eagerly and anxiously. Quick, see what it is. Hurry, hurry, haste. Do not stay on ceremony. Drink a cup of coffee, give me five cents, fifty cents, anything, and take leave and see what it is. But before too much could reply, a turbaned attendant had already burst in through the door unannounced and thrown himself at Abdul's feet. Master, master, he cried, it is here, it has come. As he spoke, he held out in one hand a huge envelope, heavy with seals. I could detect in great letters stamped across it the words, Washington, and Office of the Secretary of State. Abdul seized and opened the envelope with trembling hands. It is it, he cried. It is sent by Smith Pasha, minister under the peace of heaven of the United States. It is the intervention. I am saved. Then there was silence among us, breathless and anxious. Abdul glanced down the missive, reading it in silence to himself. Oh, noble, he murmured. Oh, generous! It is too much, too splendid a lot. What does it say? Look, said the Sultan, the United States has used its good offices. It has intervened. All is settled. My fate is secure. Yes, yes, I said, but what is it? Is it believable? exclaimed Abdul. It appears that none of the belligerents cared about me at all. None had designs upon me. The war was not made, as we understood too much, as an attempt to seize my person. All they wanted was Constantinople, not me at all. Powerful Allah, murmured too much. Why was it not so said? For me, said the Sultan, still consulting the letter, great honors are prepared. I am to leave Constantinople, that is the sole condition. It shall then belong to whoever can get it. Nothing could be fairer. It always has. I am to have a safe conduct, is it not noble, to the United States. No one is to attempt to poison me. Is it not generosity itself? Neither on land or even, mark this especially too much, on board ship. Nor is anyone to throw me overboard 
or otherwise transport me to paradise. It passes belief, murmured too much coffee. Allah is good indeed. In the United States itself, went on Abdul, or I should say themselves too much, for are they not innumerable? I am to have a position of the highest trust, power, and responsibility. Is it really possible? I said, greatly surprised. It is so written, said the Sultan. I am to be placed at the head, as the sole head or sovereign of, how is it written? A Turkish bath establishment in New York. There I am to enjoy the same freedom, and to exercise just as much, it is so written, exactly as much political power as I do here. Is it not glorious? Allah! Ilala! cried the secretary. You, too much, shall come with me, for there is a post of great importance placed at my disposal, so it is written, under the title of Rubber Down. Too much, let our preparations be made at once. Notify Fatima and Falula. Those two alone shall go, for it is a Christian country, and I bow to its prejudices. Two, I understand, is the limit. But we must leave at once. The Sultan paused a moment and then looked at me. And our good friend here, he added, we must leave to get out of this Yildiz kiosk by whatever magic means he came into it. Which I did. And I am assured, by those who know, that the intervention was made good, and that Abdul and Toomuch may be seen to this day, or to any other day, moving to and fro in their slippers and turbans, in their Turkish bath emporium, at the corner of Broadway, and... But stop, that would be saying too much, especially as Fatima and Falula occupy the upstairs. And it is said that Abdul has developed a very special talent for heating up the temperature for his Christian customers. Moreover, it is the general opinion that, whether or not the Kaiser and such people will get their desserts, Abdul Aziz has his. End of chapter 12